This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Welcome to the show, and welcome back, Eric Anderson, Editor-in-Chief of AwardsWatch.com. I'm glad to be back. So I'm enjoying our industry chats, even though the news is so bleak at the moment. Thank you so much for keeping us up to date. So i gotten quite a few listeners that want tips and suggestions of what to watch, what we're streaming, what we're looking forward to. So I'm thinking we're going to pick like our top five. We're also going cool. to discuss uh, the series that literally everyone is talking about, the absolutely bonkers Tiger King. I don't even know how to start on that one. But first, I have to ask you, Eric, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. I, I live in a small town in Northern California, in a small county. And we've just kind of started to be revealed how many cases we have and, and how quickly the virus has spread and it's you know everyone is just being really thoughtful at least here mm-hmm. i know all the like national parks and stuff are closed but even at the extremely local level my plaza our downtown plaza is closed for no congregation and just a week ago you know i was down there and there was a dozen people and everybody was being very safe but now even that is that's over closed off yeah but otherwise, good. <laughs> I was just thinking the other day, because we're going to talk about what we're watching in TV. It's so interesting. Like now my day is watching press conferences from the different countries that pertain to me and my family. So I started like two watching the, the Swedish press conference. And then I look at what's happening in Italy and Spain. And then I get I watch Governor Cuomo's press conferences, which I think so many people even outside of New York are watching that he's really struck a nerve. Definitely. And it's, it's kind of ironic that when you look at the last three governors of New York, <laughs> two of them tried to run for president and only one of them is really kind of acting presidential right right that's interesting (laughs) it it just it's something about his powerpoints and his resolve and and he's like he's coming out of his father's shadow um things are looking so grim in new york so it just feels like at least you know he both has his heart and his will in it in it in ways that let's just say some of the other people don't well i mean he's doing it too, because he literally has to counter what is coming out of the federal government. And he has to do it on the second largest scale, because Governor Newsom in California is doing the same thing, of having to counter with truth. And one thing I think Cuomo is doing really, really well is making making all the information easy to understand and comprehend without downplaying the seriousness of it. I just think he's doing a really, really good job. But, you know, as a governor of the second largest state with the second most amount of people, his responsibility in this is massive. Governor Newsom's responsibility is massive in this. So they have to pick up an enormous amount of slack um, for what's happening at the national level, including, as we know and can see now, that certain states have gotten a lot of preferential treatment 
meaning states that voted for Trump and states that did not are being left out and criticized and told to work with him. And that that's diabolical in a way that we, we, we knew was going to happen, but I don't think anybody knew that it would be quite like this. Right. Well, let's get into what we mostly talk about on our shows is how is the entertainment industry doing? We've been doing some check-ins on this the past couple weeks, but um, last week we talked about everything basically just shutting down completely. What else do you see? Well, we saw uh, some news come out of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association with the Golden Globes. They have tweaked their uh, eligibility to allow different ways to view films they you know they had pretty strict rules where you had to be screened for the group as a whole and because there's only 90 people so it's really pretty easy to do right these are the golden globes yeah the golden globe yeah there's there's like 90 people they're all they all live in los angeles you can screen movies at once and you can't do that anymore so being that's allowing them to watch things via screener and individually and extended some of the uh, the eligibility periods between March and, and April 30th. And I think the Oscars are going to do something similar. They are going to have their annual Board of Governors meeting in two weeks. And there's obviously no way that this is not going to be a part of it. Uh, Tom Hanks is on the board, and he's the most high-profile right. uh, person in industry to have had the virus and come out of it. So I'm sure he will be Skyping his way through it. Well, that means that if the movie doesn't have to be screened for to be eligible for um, Oscar nominations or Golden Globe nominations, do you think that more movies will actually be streamed? So, I mean, pretty clearly the the Oscars have been very hesitant and, and, and puts a lot of stumbling blocks, and the Emmys too, uh, in front of streamers because they just – they're not ready for that future yet. And and this this will be a, a humongous turning point. I'm not going to predict some really dramatic change from the Oscars, but you know, we just had the president announce another thirty days of stay in place. That pushes it to April thirtieth. And what that is every every week that this goes on, at least in television production, which is already shut down. So shows that were um, finishing their final episodes for this season aren't going to be able to finish. It's why Fargo uh, had to pull out of Emmy eligibility because they had not finished all of their episodes. But this is then going to impact pilots for the fall, which there will be none because they can't shoot them. And there's going to be a, a big empty hole of entertainment. And it's to circle back to Newsom and Cuomo, New York and California are obviously humongous states for film and television production. So that's a that's a humongous part of the the, the budget for each of those states. Now um, we just read that China was reopening its theaters, but then all of a sudden closed them again. And one of the reasons for that, other than supposedly you know concerns about the virus, was also that people just aren't ready to go yet. No one's coming. No, it's it's way too soon. It was way too soon. I mean, in one sense, I'm kind of glad that they did and then closed them again, realizing that it was a mistake, because I think a lot of people are assuming that, you know, once everything opens again, it's going to be this floodgates of everyone's going to go to the movies and everyone's going to 
going to go to national parks and and i think they're it's just too soon and and people were were just really nervous and you know i mean this is a big part of china's economy too china was on pace to outpace the united states in box office of course they wanted to reopen <laughs> Another big blow for television must be the fact that the Olympics are postponed. I believe it's a year. Is it ABC that has the rights to the Olympics? And NBC. NBC. Um, I mean, they must have planned their entire summer around the Olympics, right? Absolutely. And now it's it's a full year off. It'll be July of 2021. How do they fill that hole? Do you think? <laughs> you know, it's the irony of this that the. You know, the, the old days of television was a September to June schedule, and summertime was all reruns. You never, there was no such thing as, as original programming in the summer when I was a kid, because that's when you, you know, went out to the beach, and that's when you went to summer movies. And now, reruns this summer are going to be, that's going to be the new normal. Yeah, that's <laughs> get ready for a whole bunch of sitcoms from, from the 90s <laughs> over and over again. I wanted to, to recommend something I listened to this week, the, the podcast The Business with the really great entertainment business journalist Kim Masters. She's doing a bunch of shows where she's interviewing people in the industry, workers, camera people, assistants, writers from writers' rooms about what life is like now, basically being laid off and having no idea what the future is. Uh, I think that is an absolutely crucial conversation to have in a great podcast because when you think of the entertainment industry, it's not just Ellen DeGeneres and George Clooney and people that can survive this financially. It's everybody underneath. Let's get into what we are watching, those of us who are stuck at home and um, need some entertainment. Tell me some of your tips well you can definitely do some of the the on-demand movies right now i just watched the hunt last night oh what did you think of that i did not like it at all <laughs> <laughs> betty gilpin's great and i love her and i want her in everything because she's great in everything but it's a lousy movie but there's a lot of great tv one day at a time just started at pop tv last week so it's its fourth season moving over from netflix so i, I would definitely watch that Shit's Creek is in the final two episodes of the series run. And that's such a good series right now. Really feel oh good. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's just kind of really so needed right now. I'm really loving Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist on NBC. It's a lot of fun. And, again, another kind of, like, tonic mm -hmm. to how crazy and manic things are because it's fun and there's impromptu singing and it's sort of like – it's like La La Land meet Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. It's a lot of fun. Another one of those Think About Something Else shows is the new Making the Cut, which is the new version of Project Runway with Tim Gunn and Heidi Klum on Amazon, which is stitchin' and bitchin'. I'm obsessed with it. It's amazing. It seems like they sort of elevate it. They've moved the whole Project Runway to Paris. Just everything feels like it's a nice escape. It's definitely escapism because, and I, I don't know how people are going to feel about that. I think some people are going to be really happy to have something so escapist and luxurious. And other people are going to be like, 
why would you want to watch something like this in this climate? <laughs> this is this is absurd. The biggest recommendation from us is, of course, watch whatever makes you feel good and, and feel right about the situation mm-hmm. we're in now, of course. Another movie I really want to recommend is the documentary Crip Camp on Netflix about the uh, disability rights movement and the summer camp that was for disabled young people in the 60s. And I actually did an interview with Judith Human. And it's an incredibly good documentary produced by the Obamas. It is. It's incredible. It's it. <laughs> it's one of those things that will, if you don't, if you're not already an empathetic person, it should be able to cure that pretty easily because it is so beautiful. And I, I don't know. It's just, it's a wonderful, wonderful piece of filmmaking. And that feeling of what you can accomplish with civil rights movements and regular people sticking it to the government and saying that I've had enough, just that feeling that we really need right now, that if we're you know together, we can actually change the status quo. Well, you don't get what you want in the civil rights movement by being quiet. <laughs> Other things that are coming up that I have not seen, but I'm looking forward to seeing is Tales from the Loop, which is actually based on the Swedish artist Simon Stolenhag's pictures, and I'm interested in seeing what they've done with that. I need to check it out. Ooh, okay, so this is Amazon. I've only seen the trailer, and it seems to be sort of an episodic, that there may be moving in time, that there's a something called the loop, where you enter and the city and you come out in different time. I'm not sure, but it could be interesting. Yeah, that has Rebecca Hall exactly. and Jane Alexander. Okay, this looks good. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'll, I'll co-sign to that. There is some good TV, some um, TV coming up in April, May. The Beastie Boys documentary is coming. Oh, I can't wait. So there's, there's oh, some... Oh, and st- now, now Ozark's third season is out. Yes. So pe- people can watch it, and I can talk with them about it now <laughs> in great detail. And I'm really, really happy about that because it's absolutely incredible. Incredible. Um, one of the interesting things I saw, I was just noting before our conversation here, was like, I think it was, yeah, it was yesterday. There was a little TV guide. I think it was on Vulture. And the t- TV guide for the evening was 8 o'clock, Chrissy Teigen live on Instagram, officiating her daughter's teddy bear's marriage or something like that. <laughs> then it was 9 o'clock, talk shows on YouTube with all these different celebrities. And then it was iHeart Living Room concert with Elton John and celebrities from yep. his home. And I just suddenly got the feeling that this is it. This is television now. Mm -hmm. And people are tuning in. Things are happening live on the Internet. Huge celebrities are coming out. This live concert that Elton John held from his home while Skyping with other celebrities from Mariah Carey, you, you name it got really huge ratings and I was kind of wondering how are we going to go back from that I had I talked last week on a show um, with journalist uh, Jen Cheney about the talk shows and I just realized that a lot of the TV channels are going to be like this is nice and cheap why don't you just keep doing yeah. this <laughs> I mean it's working right well I mean that's that has to be a bit of a worrisome element too because you know to put on a television show is is a, a, a huge feat, especially live television. It's a lot of people involved. Once you remove that and see that people are still watching a show, yeah, executives might start to look at that and go, why we didn't need all of these 
grips and all these people anyway. And that's that's worrisome for me because then that does only include the cream of the crop. That only is about, you know, the celebrities on the show and the talk show hosts themselves. And that isn't about anybody else underneath that you don't see. I do think that there there might be, you know, because families are all locked in together, there might be more instances of of families watching things together mm-hmm. in a way that they used to do in the 50s and 60s, you know, just sit around and watch a single program. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there is there's some appeal to that, but since nobody can go out and, you know, break off from their family. Come on, kids, we're going to see that new <laughs> meme now. <laughs> we're going to watch an episode on Quibi for 10 minutes. <laughs> Talking about gathering around, let's get into Tiger King. <laughs> I'm thinking we'll talk a little bit about it, and then maybe in in a little bit we'll do a spoiler deep dive, the other part of this conversation. But let's start, and and let me just ask you, what do you think? Okay, so I'm I don't usually watch like true crime stuff. I'm not. I didn't watch like Making a Murderer, and I just don't. It's not. I don't know. It's not my jam. I was worried about this because I also am just terrified of seeing any type of animal cruelty i didn't watch don't fuck with cats and i never will i don't care what anybody tells me ever and so i kind of reached out and i'm like all right you've seen this tell me what it's like and what what's going on and i was essentially assured that there isn't you know anything that would be too terrifying and there really isn't uh not that there isn't obvious cruelty in the whole concept of zoos and and you know animal parks and stuff like that, because there is. But, yeah, I don't know how you can not watch the first couple of minutes of this and go, what the (laughs) hell am I watching? And can I get all of it right now? Because it's extremely consumable, and it's extremely addicting. And it's the most Florida and Oklahoma thing you will ever, ever see. It's not every day that a zookeeper went to prison for murder for hire. There are more captive tigers in the U.S. than there are in the wild throughout the world. Animal people are nuts, man. They're all crazy. I'm sure y'all got a story to tell. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Joe Exotic, and this is Sarge. He was like a mythical character living out in the middle of bumfuck Oklahoma who owned 1,200 tigers and lions and bears and shit. Come here, love me. <laughs> Matt Spoken, good looking, love to party and have fun. I don't think we're done blowing shit up today. I don't think you are. <laughs> they have a heart and a soul and a mind. I've learned from them. But Carol Baskin hates saying, I can't have these tigers. If he ever had an enemy in his life, it was Carol Baskin. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens, it's Carol at Big Cat Rescue. Carol is the mother Teresa of cats. We will end the private possession of these cats. We've sort of changed uh, for the better all of us the past uh, decades but I mean I, I, when I was a kid we went to SeaWorld and, and we went to things like but I'm mm-hmm. actually quite shocked that there are this level of, with so many animals and, and wild animals in Oklahoma and these parks, mm-hmm. and, and there's still the petting and the breeding. And um, 
it, 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 it was kind of shocking in that way. But it, it is such an interesting documentary. First of all, the director, one of the directors is Eric Good, who's like this huge New York hotel millionaire. He mm-hmm. owns like the Bowery and he was all, you know, New York nightlife. And apparently he was, you know, philanthropist in terms of animals and he was not at all set out to do this he was going to do something on reptiles i believe when he met the tiger king (laughs) and i guess felt the same way that we all feel the first few minutes of seeing the tiger king Um, it's a story that in every single episode you think that you've seen the last twist and turn and then there's the next twist and turn. There's the plot to kill Carol at the other park. Then there's the political part where he wants to run for president. Then there's the other guy who has the park who was, was based on Scarface or something. Was mm-hmm. And then there's Doc Antle who has the other tiger park who is, is basically some kind of guru for, for women who want to pet tigers it's, it's oh yeah all... <laughs> Force, forcing surgeries and all kinds of it, weird things it's just the yeah. i mean the cruelty goes in many directions there but um why is it so good so i think one of the great things about it is what happens when when somebody starts a documentary is that they think it's going to be about one thing but as you spend more time on your subject, it becomes something else. The whole plot to murder element was not initially part of the concept. It was just like, look at this wacky, weird, you know, gay tiger owner with three husbands, which really in and of itself should be enough. But it was everything that kept happening after that, that turned it into something way more than just that. Isn't it odd that there's so many tiger owners who are polygamous? <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, what's the deal I'm with not, that? I'm not sure if if that is is the connection or if it I don't know. Both Doc Antle I think has three wives and he has three husbands and it's like So I think in one of the episode titles is Cult of Personality and I think that encapsulates exactly why because there is this ringmaster cult leader sensibility to joe is exotic and to to dog answer that that draws people to them in in a way that from the outside you're looking at it go how, how is this possible how is this like young baby-faced kid travis maldonado go from Southern California where he could be a, a model oh yeah and then end up in, in Oklahoma and then obviously end up as he ends up on in this whole situation and that's it there is an allure and an it factor draw to people that that's that sucks them in and not everybody obviously is going to be. And it's, I don't think it's, you can really explain it. I don't think even somebody within the inside can explain. No, that's the thing. (laughs) The exact reason that they are so drawn to somebody. And I think that's, that's one of the more compelling elements of, of this is, is that, that polygamous nature is that nature of creating this dynamic and this family and this compound of existence. And it's, 
terrifying. Well, let's get into some spoilers here. So if you haven't seen it yet, then come back when you have. When they first present Carol, who, by the way, is going to be played by Kate McKinnon, SNL's Kate McKinnon in the TV version of this, which will be interesting. When they first present Carol, you really get the impression that that she was doing something else. She was really trying to, you know, working with the animal rights people. And then all of a sudden this twist comes. Has she or has she not killed her ex-husband, the very, very rich husband she married who actually started Big Cat Risk. And one after another, people on camera are saying, yeah, yeah, she killed him. We're absolutely sure she killed him. And Carol is pissed <laughs> off at the documentary, Say, of course, saying they just sort of left it hanging there. How do you feel about that? <laughs> well, <laughs> um, I think she killed him. I absolutely think so. And she isn't like pissed off in at like any of the accusations of it or infers uh, during the documentary. She does that really kind of like evil, scared, like cartoon laugh. Like, <laughs> how could you possibly think that? Absolutely not. And it's done in, in like such a way that is so hilariously unbelievable. I, I, I think I think we're also all kind of like spoiled and ruined on you know bad TV and 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 bad TV movies where a, a villain reveals themselves in a way that they don't think that they are but they kind of can't help themselves and that's how it feels at almost every moment that that it's brought up uh, about her ex-husband and so the whole thing has just has the makings of you know pretty clearly like a Christopher Guest movie. Um, (laughs) that's true more than anything else and you know i love kate mckinnon but i would have wanted to see jennifer coolidge play carol baskin but someone (laughs) said on twitter that the minute carol said that she knew that their meat grinder could only fit like an arm just like yeah she killed him (laughs) that that was my thing and i i did that on twitter too and i was just talking to to the uh my son and his friend yesterday uh, about the miniseries, I, I said she gave herself away in that moment by saying, oh, you, you couldn't fit a hand in there. And I'm like, that means you tried. <laughs> I was waiting for them to ask her, well, what did happen to him? I think they... They probably, probably tried. Had, they probably tried or at least had to play it careful enough to keep her in there mm-hmm. uh, and to not just quit it. Although, you know, everybody had to sign you know waivers and agreements and whatnot but oh my god so something that that just popped up yesterday and then i posted it as well is that at the 2002 mtv video music awards carol baskin was sitting right next to britney spears in the audience the tigers that were in one of her performances came from from doc Antle, and i'm just like what kind of world is happening here? What is going on? Because these these two worlds of entertainment are imploding in the most amazing and crazy way right now. It 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 is one of those true life is stranger than fiction experiences. This this show. Several of the people around these crazy characters really kind of were 
nice and several of them very heartbreaking. And I think that that's a big part of of this and, and why from the outside it might be difficult to understand the allure uh, of somebody that that seems abusive or just like a bad person. And that is the difficulty to to find your tribe and to find a place that you can feel uh, a part of. And I think for almost everybody that we saw, that's exactly how they felt going in. Even even Joe's campaign manager. Oh my God, the campaign. Yeah, he went in with, you know, very clear eyes and, and hopes of what this might be and, you know, was very quickly disillusioned by it. <clears throat> and since we are into spoiler territory here, uh, that video footage of oh. him talking to Travis Maldonado as he shoots himself in the head. And, you know, if you ha we're in sport spoiler territory, but it, that isn't shown. It's only shown from he, his Joshua face. Dial's reaction. Right. Um, I, I don't know how you, you know, recover from that. It's just, and, and, and it's so much so that, and he's narrating it as it's happening, that he didn't even believe that it was happening. He thought that it was like a staged thing. And I, I think it takes a whole lot of, a whole lot for somebody to, to break out um, and see reality. I, it's, it's, it's so hard to, to describe. And it's certainly not going to be for everybody. And, and I know a lot of people are now kind of pushing back. But I guess finally to round this out, unless you have, is there anyone else you'd like to <laughs> discuss? Well, it's as, as we talked about the allure of these cults of personalities and why people might want to, you know, be drawn to this and stay to this, it, it can be very difficult as an, an outsider to, to feel like you don't have a tribe and to try and find your tribe. And I think that happened with, uh, Joe's husband's Travis Maldonado, definitely. I think it happened to uh, to Saf, uh, Kelsey Safry. Uh, he had his entire uh, arm bitten off by a tiger and was in and out of the hospital in seven days and back at work immediately in front of the cameras. And there was definitely some coaching of like, you should go in front of the camera and say, hey, I'm back at work and, and everything is cool. And and he was fine with it. I mean, he had a military background. And so I'm sure there was uh, an, an element of strength there and and not fear. So I, I can certainly see where, where that came from. But my goodness. And in terms of the big cat rescue, Carol, she didn't pay anyone. They were all volunteers. So for the love of the animals, she had all these volunteers with a sort of color-coded system of how long they had been, how many years they'd been working for her. And she says straight into the camera that, well, you know, if you, if you haven't been here for many years, I won't even recognize your face. Yeah, and there was very little difference between the two places and that's what's so fascinating is that you know she she puts herself up as as a rescue person but there was very little difference in what she was doing 
she would rescue a cat, but it would still be in a cage. <laughs> it was a slight, a slightly larger one, but it's still a cage. They were completely right. Several of the other, in this case, several of the other owners of the of the zoos, saying that what she was good at mm-hmm. is the messaging. Yeah, it wasn't a sanctuary. A sanctuary is very different. It was still a zoo. People are going to be asking questions about this for a long time, I think. So I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to see, you can say, a season two or a continuation. In yeah, that. I think there will be a continuation of this. It's going to have to be because there's a lot that was not solved. So there will always be more information. <laughs> well, Eric, thank you so much for taking your time to talk about the highs, the lows, the sorrows, and the happiness that we're going through right now. And it's always interesting, and it's nice to to touch base ever so often, especially while we're in this situation that we're in in the world at the moment. I think it's crucial. I, I have to I have to talk to somebody and bounce you know this off of of somebody else just to kind of understand that it's even real. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm here, so anytime and yes, and stay too. safe. Hey, hey there. there. I'm Hannah and I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are we are always unpacking that very question on sleepover cinema check out sleepover cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com see you soon